Welcome to the Cosmetic Podcast. This podcast amplifies the topics you want to hear about. Cosmetic means being a person, a thing that gives rise to a phenomenon that is dynamic or energizing. Globally minded and locally focused. I'm Keith Benson. And I'm Rodrigo Ross. Today we're going to be talking about show me the receipts. So corporate response to racial injustice. So... This thing really focuses on how are corporations engaging in the racial justice space um, more than they ever have in the past and in a much different way. Um, And then as a as a society, as a person who maybe buys their products, as someone who patronizes their businesses, how do we hold them accountable to that changing? So let me tell you a little stat. You know I love a good stat, right? CNBC reports that nearly 70% of over 11,000 people that they polled in May and June said that the way a CEO reacts to an issue such as Black Lives Matter would permanently affect their decision to do business with a company. And there's a lot of companies out there, in particular our small businesses that have struggled. And there was money that came out through the stimulus package yeah. that many people missed out on, but there were some people that stepped up to the plate to be uh, to be able to help support these businesses. And one in particular is my man, Magic Johnson. So if you don't know, Magic Johnson is the best point guard that ever played the game. So you're talking like that's your personal friend. Like, you know Magic? Well, in my mind, sort of, kind of. Like, we've so been rolling. So that's no. Uh, well, I, <laughs> but anyway. Okay, okay. Magic Johnson, CEO <laughs> of Magic Johnson Enterprise. And everybody knows Magic's uh, track record for, in particular, in the black community and the things that he's done. So he's collaborated with M. BE Capital Partners to offer $100 million in loans to minority or women-owned uh, businesses. Hmm. And that, uh, you know, because as you know, a lot of that small businesses, they were hurt during this process. Right, right. And, and some of them were just really confused with how to access some of the money that was flowing for small businesses. And I think that really does speak to Magic Johnson and um, the Johnson Enterprises on, we're not just going to put out a statement and say the right things and use our marketing departments to spin, we're going to actually do the work internally with some external effects um, to make sure that that things are different. And they're working along with the Small Business Administration to be able to help um, with this because they know that we have to be able to have our small businesses operate in order for us to have a healthy economy overall. Yeah. And uh, we want to make sure that, you know, as we talk about this uh, topic right here, there's a wide spectrum of people that supported um, small businesses doing this process. Um, One big example that uh, is out there is Reddick CEO. Okay. Um, uh, He's married to Serena Williams. I think everybody knows him. Everybody may not know uh, Alex, uh, but Alex said that, you know what, I got to step down from being the CEO uh, and allow a black person to take this seat. Because right. One of the things that he said to himself is that I got to be able to look into my daughter's eyes, mm-hmm. who's a, has a black daughter, right, and be able to say, "Hey, what did I do during this time right here?" Right. So that that really does uphold and 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 kind of pay homage to this idea of show me the receipts it is i think i really do feel a change in the tide where corporations can't just you know put out a message or or put out a cute slogan or hashtags just won't cut it anymore like you really have to be about the work and you have to exhibit some strategies that produce long-term uh changes and so with the uh, reddick ceo He's going to also, all his future gains, which some people are estimating could be about 
about $50 million wow. in company stock. Wow. And he's going to give that to, um, to nonprofit organizations to chiefly curb this racial hate. Yeah. So, um, you know, there was a coffee company, right, who had had an incident some years ago where a patron um, was treated unfairly because they came in to wait for some of their friends and they had to use the bathroom, right? And as a result, there was this outcry and there was this requirement from their patrons and, and the public that they do something different. Like there was something systematically going on in that company. And so they shut their whole business down for a day and they did these really intense staff trainings. Um, and just that one day of shutting down cost that company over a million dollars. But then here lately, we see them embroiled in another controversy where staff were chastised for wearing shirts that said um, BLM, which stands for Black Lives Matter. And then quickly that was reversed by the company. So that just kind of underlies the fact that you can put out the, the best statement and you can have really flowery words and you can have somebody wordsmith and craft that thing. But if you don't really dig down at some of your systemic and organizational policies, you're going to always kind of be in the, in the limelight for some of these nuances that happen that create injustice. Yeah. And when you, when these companies, we want to put out a statement, but it, like you said, it goes to the action. And yeah. So what are some actionable things that can happen there? And there are some creative things out there that people are, are doing. And, you know, for example, there's a uh, one organization out there that they said they're going to double uh, their black leadership and hiring of black colleagues in their firm over the next four years. And so that's a pretty bold statement to yeah. be able to put in black and white yeah. so that four years later, people can be able to hold them accountable right. for that very action of being able to hire you know, these uh, these number of people right here. Yeah, and you have other um, companies who are creating these C-suite level um, folks who this is what they do all day, every day. They focus on these opportunities and they're giving them, you know, real authority. They're allowing them to use influence. They're resourcing those positions and they're committing to some long-term activities so that folks can thrive. You even have um, some organizations who are putting pressure on their colleagues in the industry, whether it's their retracting their support. You had a gym mm -hmm. owner who, you know, in his past had done something questionable and other companies that were affiliated with him, they pulled back because they were like, uh, it's not okay. That wasn't good what you did. We don't feel like you're really doing the work as an organization or maybe even as a person um, to rectify. And we're just kind of drawing a line in the sand that that's not okay. And another action step and something similar to what we did here in the Dallas YMCA um, a year or so ago, we took all of our staff team through dimensions of diversity. Mm -hmm. And so now there's companies out there that taking their organization through anti-racism and inclusion programs yeah. so that um, they can be able to learn these different things to, so they can anticipate these things versus just, you know, things just all, all of a sudden just pop, popping out. And so with this training, they're even making these trainings publicly. Mm -hmm. I know we've used some different materials. Uh, PWC has some great material out yeah. there that companies can use and they put it out there, you know, so that you can go on and, and utilize those things so you don't have to use your own training dollars right. because maybe you don't have enough to be able to do that. I, and I will say, you know, just 
the fact that people are way more um, amenable to taking this anti-racist, you know, it's not okay just to, to not, you know, you have to be anti-racist and anti-racism. And the fact that so many companies are willing to allow their employees the space to really get in and uncover some stuff, you know, a, about a year ago, this was still very much a taboo subject. And you really, there were many colleagues across the movement inside the Y and in companies um, outside the Y that were really struggling with getting folks to to take this anti-racist, anti-racism type training and awareness. And when you talk about giving the space, there's companies out there also are going to be dedicating like a day of service so that people can understand racial injustice. And so yeah. in some way to give back to, to the community, um, but in a very meaningful way, very specific way so that they can get more connected to the community. They can learn what injustice is, is all about. I mean, that's one of the best ways for you to, to build your empathy. You got to get in proximity of whatever it is that you're trying to advocate for. You got to get close to it. You got to see it in action or see the deficits that are caused because something is not happening for a marginalized population. Robert Smith, one of the nation's wealthiest investors, uh, black investors, that is, uh, said one of the best ways to begin to reverse corporate America's history of structural racism is for big banks and large co companies to spend the next 10 years investing directly in banking, telecom, technology, education, and healthcare infrastructure to benefit the black community. So that's right in line with what uh, Magnus Onyanyeke, I hope I said that right, who is the uh, president for a civil rights group called Color of Change, that she magnifies saying that the fix for all of this, the way that corporate America is stepping into this space and being so bold is not gonna be quick. So they have to be prepared for these long-term strategies and just you know putting a C-suite person in place um, and not committing to that long-term role or not having some long-term strategies in place with resources behind it is really not gonna cut it. And she feels like people are really gonna hold you accountable. People are not just gonna settle for the statement. They're gonna revisit this thing in four, six, or maybe even 12 months. And they're gonna really start holding um, companies accountable to what have you done and how have you made life better for your folks. And Robert Smith says that the balance sheets of the nation's 4,700 banks, they're made up of $20 trillion of assets. Mm -hmm. But only 21 of those banks are black owned or even um, led by uh, by African Americans. $20 trillion. $20 trillions. Wow. And so of these black owned ones, and they have a total assets of just about $5 billion. And so less than 1% of uh, America's commercial banking assets, um, blacks make up about 13% of the population, of course. And so yeah. when you take a look at, you know, that make up uh, the black population, you take a look at, you know, about who owns or either leads banks, right. you know, there's a lot of uh, disproportion um, that's right there. Right, and then when you layer on the fact that most of your organizations and your big companies and your corporations, they spend somewhere about 10% of their discretionary marketing funds on societal issues and things like that. So now you really start digging into the meat and pulling the layers back on how much is a company really um, dedicating its time and its treasure to social justice issues. 
And so Smith pointed out also that net income of the 10 largest U.S. banks over the last 10 years uh-huh. is about $968 billion. Right. So he figured if just 2% of that would amount to about $19 million, wow. you know, which could be used to fund uh, this whole capital of community development uh, banks and minority depository institutions that primarily service black communities. Yeah, I see. I like that. It's a tangible, realistic goal. I mean, 2%, that, that that's doable. Um, and, and you can kind of weather that depending on what the market does, what the profit margins are. Like, you can commit to 2%. And in order for our, com- our communities to get to a place where we are operating and functioning on this uh, equitable standpoint is that people have to invest directly into these different communities. Yeah. And my hope is that our companies are not just using this moment for right now to capitalize on things, but also to look at long term what we can do about this. And corporations have to look at internally to what their workspace looks like and then externally what they're doing directly into in the community also. I I don't know. I can't believe we actually agree on something in this podcast. Like, I actually agree with that. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, then we're going to drop the mic. Thank you for listening to Cosmetic. Uh, Where our conversations are global. Globally minded and locally focused. Check us out at ymcadallas.org backslash cosmetic. And as always, stay dynamic, stay energized, and stay cosmetic.